This is the podcast for August 12, 2011. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from just outside the Rick Perry Palooza Prayer, Fasting, and Corn Dog Food Court, it's the professional left with Drift Class and Blue Gal. I, I did hear from several sources that fasting was optional. <laughs> Yeah. At the prayer prayer palooza, so do they have a little agnostic section set up outside in the parking lot? They didn't or? have anything but evangelical mm-hmm. Christians. Period. Well, since everyone in the media is a filthy commie liberal, I would assume everyone who covered it was a filthy commie liberal. So they had a special section for them, where they could I bathe them, hose them down with holy water, or save their souls, or whatever they do, and things like that. We're going to talk about wishful thinking. Tonight. Yeah, let's talk about wishful thinking. I think I think I think both sides do it. You should never say both well, sides do it, but they do. <laughs> everyone is guilty of wishful thinking. Yeah, as am I, as are you. But in well, this case, and I get two or three emails a week. I'm, we're not going to focus on the left this week in terms of oh. wishful thinking, but you know, I do get two or three emails a week of if only Bernie Sanders would run for president, or if yeah. only. And it's usually some liberal hero. If only Ted Kennedy was still alive, you know, yes. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's an easy trap to fall into to sort of pin all of your hopes on a person rather than on a cause. But but you want to talk about a different kind of wishful thinking, I think, tonight. Well, there's there's this, you know, there people who focus on the outcome you want to see. Mm-hmm. It, that's that's fine, you know. But but for example, as everyone who listens to this podcast and really everyone who reads. Um, and, and knows who this is, knows that Tom Friedman, flathead Tom, the mustache of understanding Tom Friedman, the multi-billionaire imbecile. Who didn't author. get his billions from writing. I mean, he's, no. yeah, it's he got, inherited he, he, wealth from his wife and so forth. Yeah. yeah, he married into the second or third largest real estate fortune in the country. Um, and who is Mr. Globalization and got you know, a rat. It just, he's a horrible, he's a horrible predictor. He's an utterly incompetent pundit. And worst of all, worst, worst of all, he's a just god awful fucking writer. He's really unreadable. He's just mawkish and stupid. And, you know, if you can find some space where there's an original thought between the cliches, he just packs together to make a column. God bless you. I've never been able to find one. But he is just, Horrible. Needless to say, he is a wise man who shows up on every show, who's invited on the Charlie Rose show routinely, and has, of course, a permanent column in the New York Times because that apparently is some sort of, I don't know, protective enclave for incompetent neocon writers. Um, but even by Tom Friedman's own depraved standards or debased standards, this week he was just a disaster. He wrote this long, creepy column about – we're screwed until this happens. And here's how it should be. And, and every three or four columns, Tom Friedman writes the, the State of the Union the president should say. And here's what John Boehner should do. And this was – this is – you know everybody should play naked twister and have a fresca. And John Boehner should embrace Barack Obama. And they should both give centrist speeches. And everybody should work on our problems. We should all get in this boat together and work these problems out. And until that happens, people. But we're all in a world of hurt. And that was the entire fucking column. It wasn't – and because John Boehner you know, is, is the predator drone for a bunch of crazy people on the right, this will never happen. It was just this creepy, Disney-fied alternate universe. Let's all clap our hands together 
And then he put a period on the end and called it a column. And it, it sort of went beyond wishful thinking. It was, okay, that would be nice. And you, <laughs> unicorns that poop gold uh, would be nice too. There's lots of things that you can just pull out of your ass that would be nice to think about. Uh, do you have any idea how we might get to that place, Tom Friedman? Any idea who the villains might be? Anything like that? Yeah. And that's the kind of infected um, thinking that I see mostly among neoconservatives and centrist slash conservative expatriates who, on the one hand, sort of get that the right has lost its mind. Yeah, sort of, yeah. They can't say that out loud, or they, if they say it out loud, they, they all you know say it. Well, it was it was after I left the right. That's when they lost their. Mind. Well, I was really sorely tempted this morning, Drift Glass, to buy you a "I'm a From Forum Republican" T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I just want. I saw it there, and I just went. Yeah. Don't I have to get you one of those for our wedding? But something something borrowed, something blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something idiotic. This yeah. is our penultimate premarital podcast, by the way. When you it listen, is. when you listen, when most of our listeners listen to next week's podcast, you and I will be married. We will. So, so well, kind to us, I say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, by the way, not to interrupt Michelle, your train of thought on that. But. No, no. This, but this is this is just. On the one hand, there is some sort of subconscious recognition. A sort of a, there's some giant awful thing in this dark room. Nobody wants to name it. Nobody wants to point to it. Nobody wants to say, that's my kid because yeah, yeah. created it. But there's something horribly wrong. And yet the, the hole they keep digging is the same fucking hole. If we just were more reasonable, if we were just, you know, if Barack Obama were just more, you know, if he just needs to keep being uh, rational and yeah. calm and well-behaved and even-tempered and be more compromisey and you can walk them back you know it, it really is like pe- like the junkie who will not recognize that his problem is not his job or his wife or his world it's the shit he's putting in his arm or it's the it's the you know, alcoholic who will not recognize that his main problem is the liquor you know yeah, everything yeah. else is open for negotiation but the idea that no the problem with this country is the gop it's that simple. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are the problem. And until you people in the center are forced to acknowledge that the problem in this country is the right, we really are screwed. Yeah. And yeah. because people can't face that, they fall into these bizarre magical thinking patterns where they just wish for things that can't possibly be and then shrug their shoulders and say, well, you know, I guess, well, we're screwed then. No, we're not doomed. We're not screwed. But if your solution is two million people are going to take to the streets, man, and that'll change it. No, it won't. But let's talk for a minute about practicalities and how yeah. mustache of understanding. What's his name yes, again? Tom Friedman. Tom Friedman. Tom. I'm sorry. I just have Good a block Tom. when it comes to talking about him. Uh, how Tom Friedman affects. We talked about this a little bit last week, mm-hmm. but how this affects boots on the ground conservatives. Yeah, because I think that's real. It's it's fine to, for you and I. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I was listen, reading an article um, this morning about how little voice working class people have. Yes. On the internet, period. Mm-hmm. And for the two of us as experienced bloggers to talk about Tom Friedman and leave it up in the clouds like that, 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't want this podcast to be that um, academic, academic, highfalutin. Yeah, however, however yeah. you want to put it. We, I think we really have to have some practicalities mm-hmm. here. And Tom Friedman, you know, goes on Charlie Rose and goes forever. He has gone on Charlie Rose forever and said we need six more months in Iraq. You just need to know that they're, the people who are framing the debate that you are having – you know, that who are telling you what's being a centrist means and what being a conservative means and what the real problems are in our country and what the real issues are, who are defining the, the parameters of that debate are fucking morons. Yep. They're wrong. It's, it's a terrifying thing to realize that the people who are, who are, have their hand on the tiller are dolts. And don't know what they're talking about or are just regurgitating the same absolutely wrong beltway common wisdom that the same bullshit over and over and over again because they don't know anything else because there is no, there's no other answer. Every other answer scares the shit out of them mm-hmm. and because they want a broad audience. They want the maximum number of people viewing their program. They want to be, remain credible. And they want to remain serious and they want to remain uh, authoritative. The only permissible answer to every question is both sides do it. And when both sides don't do it, they don't know what to do. So they just lie. And now we have a case where the right lies continuously about what it's doing. And the center, the people who control your media, who control your newspaper, who control our national narrative, lie about what the right is doing. Because the consequences of them facing the fact that the right has become insane and is run by evil people is so terrifying, they can't face it. And they don't know what to do. Sit, sit back and think for a minute. Average American voter, average American person who wants to do good, doesn't want their country ruined, even though we're heading in that direction at breakneck speed. Um, what if that comfortable panic room that you always hide in when tough political questions come your way isn't true? Mm-hmm. What if you have to face the fact that the person you're sharing a cubicle with <laughs> or sharing an office with or sharing a gym with? Is the problem? What if you have to face the fact that that the relative of yours is what's destroying this country? What what do you do then? And that's uh, that's that's that kind of civil war mentality, you know, brother against brother, family against family, because we're not talking about two armies that are on the opposite sides of the world from each other. We're talking about an intermingled population where come to grips with what's wrong with America. You have to start looking at people you know. And say, oh my God, he's the problem. Yep. And that's a really, really heavy moral obligation to take on. And it's just easier not to do that because it's uncomfortable and it makes you, you know, shrill. You're listening to the Professional Left Podcast, professionallab.blogspot.com. Digby, a few years ago, came up with the Cokie Roberts Law. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm, no. The, the Cokie Roberts Law is that even if there is no proof of something, if it's stated in the mainstream press, it's out there. And so you can discuss it as if it's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. If it meets your the demands of the Beltway media to mm-hmm. further whatever agenda they're furthering, like, you know, Republican plans on small business tax cuts. You know, that's just <laughs> out there. 
<laughs> it's so you can just there. talk about it, whether it's good or bad. You know, no, we just it's out there. Mm-hmm. The ironclad rule. This is some someone on Tumblr, Lemkin on Tumblr said, uh, talking about just what's happened in the past two weeks. There's there's a bunch of nonsense that this guy says that S and P's downgrade caused movement in the U.S. stock market. Which, uh-huh. as far as the ma- mainstream media is concerned, is entirely comprised of the Dow Jones Index. Total right. New York centrism, you know, center of the universe, New York City. You know, S&P caused it, and now we have to do something about it. Uh, the facts do not matter. Cokie's Law, the ironclad rule that anything, any information, be it merely incorrect or proven to be an outright lie or pure fabrication, once out there, must be reported as though it is fact. Period. Mm-hmm. Therefore, mm-hmm. as the weeks and months pass, this is what's really important, as the weeks and months pass, the core narrative becomes the S&P downgrade caused massive loss of wealth in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Therefore, Social Security and Medicare must be cut. <laughs> Elimination is the GOP's preferred outcome. Elimination of Social Security and Medicare. Therefore, yeah. the sensible center is merely devastating cuts, followed mm-hmm. on every few years with more sensible cuts mm-hmm. until we reach elimination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this it's, it's, it's Republicanism in slow motion. Yeah, and they're just going to do it in slow motion. This is the only capital S serious, capital P position possible on the issue. when one Permitted. Can, when one considers the fact that the S&P downgrade and its devastating impact on the Dow Jones Industrial Average must be reacted to in this way, mm-hmm. we simply must act to cut Social Security. Everyone knows it's a problem here. Mm-hmm. Except it's not. <laughs> except it's not. It's not it's part except- of the deficit. It's not no. part of the S and P. It's not no. what the problem with the S and P is. The goddamn Tea Party. Period. And everybody. And everybody knows, knows it. it, but you can't say it if you're Cokie Roberts. Because that would indict one side over the other. But and you, we're never allowed to we're, do that. We're only allowed to gradually move toward the elimination of Social Security. This is when it becomes boots on the ground. This has an impact on people's lives. Mm-hmm. And these lies have an impact on people's everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And if it's it, always, you know, well, you know, Tom Friedman, he sits there on, on Charlie Rose and puts his hands together and says six more months in Iraq, which is, you know, $60 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Every time he said he invokes that Friedman unit, mm-hmm. <laughs> had, t- had tip Duncan Black. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. six more months we'll be, you know, in the clear. And he said that how many times? 18, well, 20? And that's the point being, and that's a really good point. And the Friedman unit, I would urge if you don't know what it is, go look up the Friedman unit. Mm-hmm. The Friedman unit is, is like is like Beltway lying and it's most outrageously lazy it's always frozen six in from amber now. yeah every time iraq will be resolved and it's always six, six months, months six more months six months I, it, from it, now it would, yes and somebody and, and and literally it's frozen in amber for all time for you to see <laughs> and and someone sat down finally and and noted and and counted all the times tom friedman says six more months three more months four more months six more months and it was years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he just kept lying. I mean, that's because he's Tom Freeman is basically incredibly lazy. Yep. He's a soft, 
soft-handed, soft-headed little mealworm at the heart of the media. He doesn't do anything. He produces nothing. He knows nothing. He just regurgitates common beltway wisdom over and over again on his – and that's why they love him. So it doesn't matter how many times he fucked up. He is always invited back to – because you're not allowed to say that, because you're never allowed to bring up people's failures because there's no penalty for failure, which is why always saying both sides do it covers your bets. Because mm-hmm. no matter what goes wrong, you can say, well, you know, both sides really were wrong in that regard. And as long as you keep repeating that lie over and over again – and the corollary to the Koki law is – and this one very much uh, comes up in the matters of, matters that are strictly scientific or economic – is report the controversy. Yep. Um, there is no controversy around evolution. If you believe the Earth is 9,000 years old, you're an idiot. Yep. You don't belong anywhere near a, a civilized society. If you believe global climate change is a fraud or is controversial or, or hasn't if been you, proven. Or if you're going to continue to say global mm-hmm. climate change is a fraud as an obfuscation to Clean Air Act yeah. and just simply giving any teeth at all to the EPA – Oh, and you know, well, that's and, just those global warming hippies. You know, no, how about clean air think, and clean water? Oh, and no, your you think don't. tank is paid for yeah, by petroleum. By the coal money. industry, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, but the, the, the very, very – remember, the people who bring you your news are incredibly lazy people. Mm-hmm. The reporters aren't. I mean the, the shoe leather reporters who go out into the world and find information and bring it to you, who go to Iraq. Who, who risk getting shot at to bring stories back from the front. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the Beltway, the lard-ass Beltway pundits are incredibly lazy people. So rather than figure out who's right or wrong about global warming, for example, uh, because that would involve picking a side and saying one side is lying and one side is telling the truth, which you're never, ever, 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 ever allowed to do on television right? because journalism – we don't have journalism anymore. We have propaganda. Instead, you just report the controversy. You put one person on one side of the table who's nuts and one person on the other side of the table who's factual, and you watch them fight for five minutes and say, make up your own mind. No. <laughs> no. And speaking of Lemkin, <laughs> was that the person's name or was that their, their that's handle? Their, that's their blog, their Tumblr blog, yeah. Really? Okay, because I've only heard that expression once before in my life. Yeah. In Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh, okay. When Al Pacino was was raving against uh, Kevin Spacey about how he's going to, if I ever find out whose brother and whose cousin you are, whose dick you're sucking. And it was, I'm going to Lemkin. I'm oh. going downtown to Mitch and Murray. And it was apparently the ultimate authority. And I've never heard that used conversationally anywhere outside of oh, a David well, place. Maybe so, he's really just totally pulling it out of that movie because it's, uh, Lemkin, gone to since 1984. So yep. I think it's yep, very yeah. <laughs> going to you Lemkin. Got, you gotta yeah. like this guy. You gotta like this yeah. guy. Yeah, it's Lemkin Tumblr T U M B L R. It's his Tumblr blog and Koki's mm-hmm. Law versus Social Security. It's an excellent post. Well, and, and on that topic, I'd like to transpose a similar government constitutional. Um, cultural crisis mm-hmm. on our own, and and other than Pat Buchanan, does anybody still out there still think that in Watergate both sides were equally wrong? <laughs> you know those, li- and you know what, Pat Buchanan is still pushing that fucking because he's he's a he's a diehard. Oh yeah, no, I, he's he's country. even said you know Nixon's the best president I ever worked for, yeah. 
in the past well, in the past six months he said that yeah which dodges the question and nixon did a lot of things mostly at the point of a gun in in a you know symbolically uh but he did a lot of things that would be considered liberal but but he Pat can's the only person i know of. there's probably one or two out there and a whole army of archie bunkers out there who secretly love nixon yeah who who were who still want to pass it off as a third-rate burglary because that's yeah. what remember that's what it was it was a third-rate burglary but think about it were there were both sides wrong in watergate were both sides wrong in iran contra and the difference between the the disastrous republican constitutional scandal that almost destroyed our government in watergate and the catastrophe that was reagan bush and the catastrophe on you know super soldier serum that was the Bush administration and the catastrophe that is the Tea Party, the serial and mounting psychosis that is rapidly approaching the destruction of the country is that once upon a time in Watergate, I pulled this quote out because I want to get it exactly right. There existed Republicans like Representative Lawrence Hogan, who was a Republican from Maryland, mm-hmm. who famously said as the Watergate scandal was coming to uh, a head, quote, The thing that's so appalling to me is that the president, when this whole idea was suggested to him, didn't in righteous indignation rise up and say, get out of here. You're in the office of the president of the United States. How can you talk about blackmail and bribery and keeping witnesses silent? This is the presidency of the United States. But my president didn't do that. He sat there and he worked and worked to try to cover this thing up. So it wouldn't come to light. Mm-hmm. You had mm-hmm. Republicans who got furious yep. that their president had violated their principles. Yeah. Republicans violate their own oath of office and their own principles, their own principles of personal responsibility. Absolutely. Respect for the Constitution, fiscal rectitude. You family values. Family values. <laughs> they violate them every fucking day. On, on a scale that that dwarfs anything Nixon did. Sarah and Palin's thing, a grandma again. Yeah. <laughs> Out of wedlock. <laughs> and the only thing Cokie Roberts can say, and Cokie Roberts or Tom Friedman or anybody else can say yeah. is, well, you know, both sides do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's killing America right there. Yep. You, we cannot have this. We, we cannot. We're not being allowed to have a rational conversation because mm-hmm. the clowns who occupy the media high ground will not permit it until they are destroyed, until they are taken down, fired, until that that bottleneck is cleared out and we can actually talk about what's really wrong in this country, mm-hmm. what's really broken, how do we can really fix it outside of the blogs, which are liberal, therefore obviously de facto not credible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But isn't so, it interesting how Rachel Maddow this week has been literally pleading with yes. the with the Democrats in the Beltway, to it's, please listen to the base. That mm-hmm. the base is what's going to win you this election. That's where the excitement is in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Was look at these base voters. This is the Democratic base. Look at these unions. This is the Democratic base. Why can't you get together with your base and mm-hmm. generate some excitement for your cause, which mm-hmm. used to be the middle class, you know, and and. She's actually pleading. I've really, I've really gotten a sense that she's not talking to me anymore. 
No. Not, and no. I don't mean that in a bad way, but no. she's really saying, look, Democratic Party, look at what is, look at the power that is at your disposal if we, if we work for, for the middle class and economic populism. It's really possible to do something here. Well, there, there's a, there's this famous story about Eleanor Roosevelt who was pushing Adlai Stevenson. Yeah. Liked Adlai Stevenson, thought he was a smart guy, but they're in a car together. And they, they pull up in front of a, a crowd, and he doesn't know what to do. And she's just just incredibly furious or, or frustrated or just like, this. Mm-hmm. Guy, I, I can't. You get out and shake their hands. Yeah. They're your people. Go be among your people. They, they're, they're who get you elected. Why, why is it so hard for you to get out of the car and press the flesh with people who like you and agree with you? And how is it, why is it so hard to take their goddamn side? Right. And, and Rachel Maddow, I saw her do that twice this week. I yeah. completely agree. Begging the Democratic Party, the, the DLCC. Yeah. Um, please, here, here is, she had a stack of paper. Here's how you get jobs going. Yeah. Here, here's a Republican who wanted jobs in their district. They put on paper how much it would, how much economic activity mm-hmm. this money would generate and it will create this many jobs. Give it to them. Yeah. How hard is this? And and you know it's it's begging people to please do your goddamn job. And they and, well, and then just, let them let them if they go all tea party on your ass and turn it down, mm-hmm. then that's your problem. You have proof that they right. were a goddamn hypocrite. Proof that they don't give a shit about jobs. That they'd rather have fewer jobs in their district than score political points. Yeah. And you know and well, then and then you well. have another win. You know. Well, that, that's that's where you and I differ slightly, Blue Gal. Because my, my my response to that is a little bit cynical, I admit. Which is proof to who? Yeah. Who's, I, who's, I know. I know. Proof who, to the people who, who are looking for jobs in that district. Yeah. Well, this, that that now that that I agree with. Unemployed but, people in the district might have something to say about that. The 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 idea that there's a grand slam rhetorical. Um, policy answer that will suddenly sway people to one side or the other, I think is false. I, I think, think if, if st- Congressman Joe Schmo from the 14th district of whatever state mm-hmm. has written a letter asking for this amount of dollars that will create this amount of jobs on his letterhead and mm-hmm. Obama gives him the goddamn money and then mm-hmm. he says no because of my Tea Party principles, mm-hmm. that's going to get attention in his district. That's if, what I'm saying. I agree. If the White House keeps pounding at home, yeah, the White House has to want to pick that fight. If Joe, let me let me put you in all sorts. You know case. what? That's that's when Obama just needs to go with a gigantic check mm-hmm. to it, that district I, oh, and hand it to that congressman. We're so on the same page right now. Yeah. Um, that that you pick Congressman Joe Schmo, who asked for you know a, a million dollars for. Oh, hey, pick Michelle Bachman. Pick whoever yeah. you want. Um, who asked for a million dollars to to get thus and so done in their district, which is you know perfectly you take fine. Take the publisher's clearinghouse gigantic cardboard check in the in the van. You come <laughs> you come screaming into the local municipal airport in yeah, Air Force One, right? And you go to the town center and you present Congressman so and so with the biggest goddamn novelty check he's ever seen in yep. his life, mm-hmm. and you make him shake your hand. Yep. And that's and you and let's just create and jobs. You asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> Here, Congressman so-and-so yeah. had the good sense to understand the government needs to do thus and so and fix this bridge, he said, pointing to bridge, this road, pointing to road, yeah. and put 
good Americans like yourself back to work because that's what makes America great. Here, Joe, here's a giant check from me to you. Thanks for your great idea. Boom. On to the next stop. (laughs) I got a whole lot of other gigantic cardboard checks to deliver. I'll see you later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Come on, press core. Let's go. (laughs) It's perfect. Yeah. That would be a great campaign. But that presupposes that the people who are sitting up late at night in the White House. I, that's think it. Those terms. Think, think that that's a good idea. That they and, even think that way. You're right. Even and, think that way. It drives us it crazy will, over here, people. It, it <laughs> that will, the White House it, won't even think that way. It will. You know, it might make John Boehner mad. Oh God. And then they won't be reasonable. The next, they're never going to be reasonable. That's that's the wishful thinking part that drives exactly. me crazy. Yep. Is is that maybe that you know? And it's, this is an old trope. It's maybe Lucy won't pull the football this time. Yeah. And and Lucy will always pull the football. But, you know, that's, you know, that's... On topic, Drift Glass, on topic, I want yeah. to read an email, and this is in closing as well. Okay. Um, Julie wrote to she, us on Facebook. Just, yeah. You see what she did there, people? You see what she did there? See? See, that's that's a good <laughs> podcaster. We're in separate rooms, and, and Blue Gal just We're came We're both at the castle. I painted a wall today. She did. She did. I painted she's, a wall while he was at work. Side, by the way. I'm in and the castle. Yeah. We're having a fine old time. So, but she just gave me the little, t- you know. I just gave you a kick in the ass. That's what I did. Little, it's 8:30. We haven't had dinner yet. Little, little Carol Burnett ear tug. So, <laughs> proceeding onward. Julie writes. Julie wrote to us uh, from Facebook and said, uh, "Blue gal, I got brave today and questioned a good friend about the both sides do it crap." When I asked her just name who these liberals are who are just as bad, she finally <laughs> landed on some folks she sings with. <laughs> yeah. It's always that, isn't it? Always some cousin. <laughs> somebody's cousin that I oh, met once. Oh, God. And she described them as anarchists. Uh-huh. But were they Congress people she was singing with? Was it a governor she was singing with? No. <laughs> no. Any power I sing with some people. Anybody? I sing with some people. They're anarchists. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. When I pointed out that liberals actually believe in government and aren't anarchists, she was able to see that these folks she sings with were a whole different thing. It had nothing to do with the far left. My husband and I are trying to not let our friends get by with this stuff. Kind of like friends don't let friends drive drunk, except <laughs> friends don't let friends talk crap. Yeah. So thanks for helping us be brave. Oh, you're welcome, Julie. I, that's welcome. a very good thing. And we had another letter. I, I didn't copy it down here in our notes, but someone wrote us and said that um, rather than holding up a dollar uh, and saying, you know, this is more than uh, ExxonMobil paid in taxes last year, she told her mom, you pay more in taxes in one trip to the grocery store than ExxonMobil paid last year in federal income taxes. Excellent. And Excellent. Uh, hit home with her mom that way. So uh, send us your ideas on how to get through to your friends and neighbors and moms mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. about this. And uh, both sides do it or the ExxonMobil dollar trick or whatever you have in mind. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address, it is proleftpodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave comments at our Facebook page, and that is linked at our website, which is professionalleft.blogspot.com. 
where you can listen to us for free with no download and no registration. If you like our Facebook page, uh, you can also uh, friend me. I am Francis Langham on Facebook. Feel free to friend me and like us on Facebook. And the podcast is posted at Facebook every Friday, along with at our website and on iTunes. And we love our iTunes listeners. We also love our Crooks and Liars listeners. And mm-hmm. the podcast appears at the wonderful blog Crooks and Liars every Saturday night at Open Thread. We uh, need your contributions. We had a couple of contributions this past week, and two of them were from a guy from different guys named Sam. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to congratulate Sam number one. Sam number one wrote to us and said, "My first act of discretionary spending as a college graduate is a donation to your wonderful podcast." Congratulations, Sam, on graduating from college and having the money to give us a, give us a contribution. We appreciate it. We we won't tell your loan officer. No, we won't tell your loan officer <laughs> or your parole officer that you no. gave money to our podcast. Thank you, Sam. No. And then another Thanks. another contributor named Sam wrote us and said this week's show was so good. And when I heard that notepads are still available, that was God telling me to send money. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it was. No, it was. Yes, it was. I don't know about that theology, but Sam, number well, two, the notepad is on its way. If you contribute more than $15 or more, if you contribute $15 or more, we will send you a professional left notepad, which is – Until they run out. Until they, well, and I think we've got enough for a while. So Yeah, we do. Send, we us, do. send us $15 or more, and we will send you a professional left notepad. They're little 25-sheet notepads that we handed out at Netroots Nation, so we'd love to send one to you. And there is a link to our PayPal account and a P.O. box where you can send contributions by mail at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. Because the Internet is a strange and wonderful place, Blue Gal. But there's nothing like snail mail. There's nothing like snail mail. And I must say this blogging thing is finally paying off for me. Oh, yeah. You had some exciting Um, news this week. Well, first of all, I, I went into blogging for the women, the booze, and the fame. And thus far, I've gotten the best woman I know. Thank you. Uh, somebody gave me a bottle of scotch. You're welcome. And fame, not so much. Infamy, not so much. But um, brush-ups with fame. Let's say let's say that you've had, had brush-ups with fame. I've had brush-ups with fame. And owing to a series of hilarious and convoluted and delightfully serendipitous events. Involving people who like what we do, like what I do, and put me in touch with with a variety of people. I was put in touch with one of my very, very favorite authors, who I never thought I'd get a chance to talk to person to person, just just shoot the shit with. It was delightful. I'm not going to name names, because um, <laughs> that would be because maybe that's for next week. Well, and, and I don't think you say, have permission to name names, but. No. You got to talk on the phone with one of your favorite authors, and that's I did. really special. I yeah. Did. And yeah. I and and talk and talk. you know, Andrew Sullivan's voice is not as high as you might think. No, I don't not. think it was Andrew Slight. Sullivan people. <laughs> no. No. I will say I will say, go so far as to say this. My favorite author or one of my favorite authors did say um, that it was no source of consolation that what he has been writing and predicting for the last 40 years is has all come true. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agreed. Let's just put it this way. If you were reading anything during the 80s at all, if you were paying any fucking attention to what was going on in politics during the Reagan years or during the Nixon years, 
you have no business pretending that this is a that this is happening. This is a shock. Oh my God! How do we ever end up here? How, where are all these crazy people from? Yeah, this has been coming for forty years, people. Yep. Right down Michigan Avenue, smack in the middle, visible from space. And if you are only now giving up Rush Limbaugh or suddenly discovering the conservative movement might not be the charming and delightful place that you thought it was for the last 30 years, too late. Honestly. You're too late. Honestly. Too late for the party. So anyway, on that charming note. <laughs> Just a reminder, everyone, feel free to write us at proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, beware if you write us at that address. We reserve the right, unless you ask otherwise, to read your email on the air. And how are those internet kitties doing this week, Blue Gal? Well, given our upcoming nuptials, Drift Glass, they're searching the bathroom trash cans trying to find out if you're pregnant. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, lovey dovey. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2011, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast. For the podcast note, Drift Glass is not pregnant. But you're going to make an honest man of me, Blue Gal. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah. <laughs>